Welcome to the Game Off Podcast, episode 15. I'm your host, Andrew, a.k.a. Solitalker. Also hosting with me is... Uh, Brent, a.k.a. Arcadia. We got two interesting games in our showcase this week, John Wick Hex and The Surge 2. We're also going to have one of our fireside chats in a couple of minutes here. But first, we need to talk about some very exciting news coming out of the video game industry. Two big announcements. Brent, I know you're as excited as I am on these. Uh, we first, sure. <laughs> we first got... <laughs> I, cu- I couldn't hold it together. We first got Postal <laughs> 4 and Payday 3. Uh, of those two, which surprises you more? I'm surprised that either of the companies that own those IPs are still in business, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, After I'm... the... the sh- I'm sure Shit that shenanigans we've talked about. I'm sure that THQ Nordic is just peering around the corner over the fence, waiting for one of them to drop dead. <laughs> yes, some hot value IPs, eighty dollars. I'm. Oh uh, yeah. I, I on the one hand, like, so it's interesting for both of them. I think because they kind of represent two sides of the same impossible coin. I refuse to believe there's still a market for postal four that just seems absurd to me like i don't yeah. know how i don't remember anyone saying anything really good about postal three or that postal two remake or re-upload or uh hd upgrade or whatever the hell it was i don't <laughs> this is it's such a 90s series i don't know why it's still around and why someone's still pushing it yeah, all all I ever knew the franchise for is like they were like really shock factor type games. And it kind of goes along with what we were saying about Manhunt. It's like, did did anyone actually care about Manhunt other than like the news that it was getting banned and was super hyper violent and gory? Like, oh, no, no one actually liked those games. <laughs> like, did anyone really like Postal? Can you answer that question for me? I knew people who handed me burned copies of the game telling me you've got to play this because you can pee on things and you can kill gary coleman like it, it was it well. was in, it was very much like you said with uh with manhunt those kind of you're not playing it because it's fun but because there are these shocking moments in it yeah which is like the 90s in a nutshell <laughs> just when did, some kind of ridiculous scene I, I was gonna say, how long? How, what's the gap been since Postal Three? Oh, I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. Postal Three came out in 2011. Does that sound right to you? It was on 360. That sounds right. It was in that entire generation. I remember it on Steam. Postal One and Two are like really old, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I think they did Postal Three and the Postal Two HD re-release or something like that around the same time, kind of like they did with the Shadow Warrior Classic upgrade and the reboot of shadow warrior just just to remind people what these franchises yeah, used to like, be hey, this, this and then kick the door i in. think it was kind of like a hey this is an existing ip so treat it with the reverence it deserves this isn't some new thing we've invented <laughs> I, I, someone out there has got the ip for like redneck rampage and they're just waiting for that moment to jump in on this as well they say, well let's see how postal three or postal four does and then maybe we can bring back redneck rampage too <laughs> yeah we can't, we can't do an hd re-release of redneck rampage let's wait on postal uh so that that just it shocked me that anyone was even out there still holding the ip and able to put together a teaser trailer 
Yeah, so what what did you glean from the teaser? Is is there any actual information on this game? I didn't really... Look, I'm going to be honest. I read the headline about that, this one. I didn't watch the teaser. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how interesting that announce was. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and lie my way through it. I didn't. I didn't watch the teaser, but it's. No, tell what mood did that you know trailer what? cut, Andy? Okay, tell let me, me. Paint for you a picture. We open on a trailer park, and a very angry man in a in a '90s style post office uniform. You know, back when the '90s in the '90s when they used to use uh, "Fly Like an Eagle" in the postman commercials and the post office commercials. Yeah, imagine that outfit. Yeah. And maybe even Steve Miller in the background is this going on. Maybe it was that. I couldn't tell. (laughs) You know, uh, and you you see him and he's walking into his trailer and he sees his extremely obese wife because it's a 90s movie. So obviously he's got an extremely. I'm not going to keep going this because I think Mm -hmm. I'm actually just describing the opening scene to Postal the movie. If you remember that one. (laughs) That that That, that classic. Wonderful Uwe Boll movie with. I I don't even remember who was in that. Maybe Zach Ward. He had so many hits, that guy. I miss him. Postal 3 had a 24% on Metacritic, mm. side note. Yeah, oh, no wonder they're tw- making a sequel. 24, you can only go up. No wonder. Well, you got you got a 3 out of 4 shot of going up. <laughs> That's, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if you just make a game that plays nowadays, you can get a 50. Like, you really have to go out of your way to make it a mediocre The game. other bit was Starbreeze announcing payday three in 2022 or 2023 that seems a bit uh, premature doesn't it doesn't it seem like that's a ways out to be announcing a game when your company is undergoing massive restructuring due to bankruptcy yeah yeah do you know if they're publicly traded like is there any reason that they need to like instill confidence in investors or are they just shooting from the hip here? Just, just I think that they've asked hang. for a couple of extensions from creditors. So maybe this is a part of that. Uh, <laughs> we promise we're still working on video games and we're not going to just run to the fucking Bermuda Pro- with this Probably. I, I don't wink wink. I don't see it going well for them. I don't think I don't think they're going to be able to bring back a lot of the goodwill that they lost with Payday 2. Yeah, I mean... As someone who primarily plays on console, like right out of the gate, Payday 2 was a fucking disaster because they announced that as it was coming out, they were ending support for it and nobody I remember, understood what the fuck was happening. I remember stories from their and support like, team of them, of people being told just to go buy it on PC when they called them with Xbox and PS4 issues. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great customer service right there. And then... Uh, and then that, that Walking Dead game, which I've already, we've covered on this podcast. It was within the last nine months, and I've forgotten the name of it already because it was. They also had that World War II footnote. game where they actually got John Cleese to do voice, uh, do like narration and, and do a character voice for. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. John Cleese got fucking conned. We're a real company, we swear. I, hell, they, right. Starbreeze was in Overkill were doing Fuck. well enough that they had, they got the John Wick license. Like that was. Oh, Payday Two was John Wick's first appearance in gaming. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, he he was a playable character. They added a new class. I think they added a whole new set of weapons and missions just for for the John Wick character set, John Wick DLC. That's strange. I, I they must have some shrewd fucking negotiators because they've gotten some pretty big 
licenses and not delivered on them at this point. They sold the publishing rights to System Shock 3, which, you know, there was no one was going to buy that. And then they sold the publishing rights to Psychonauts 2, which, yeah, no one was going to buy that either. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I I feel bad because I like some of the games they put out. Like, I think they were the ones who published Brother, A Tale of Two Souls, or whatever the heck that game was called. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that game was very good. Um, did they, they did publish that. You're, you're right. And that was it's an indie gem, and maybe they should go back to more of that style and stop trying to break into fucking AAA gaming. It's like, um, like Deep Silver. They, they know what they're about. They don't try and be triple A. Well, I mean, <laughs> to, to use a very stupid term, they, they stay yeah, in their yeah. lane. But it's because if they if they drove out of their lane, they would crash and kill everyone. They uh, they also developed um, or they also published Dead by Daylight, which was another big oh, one. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That but then they also developed that uh, really good syndicate game. I mean, I remember it coming out, but I don't think anyone played that in earnest. And then before that, they did the Chronicles of Riddick games, which were good. And oh, yeah, sure. It, that was uh, Vin, Vin Diesel's own gaming studio made those. And then I don't know what happened to Vin Diesel's gaming studio. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know either. Memories. Yeah, so that, that's but that. Anyway. I just I found those two announcements very amusing because they just seemed like like shouting into an empty cave. Like, who are you announcing this to? Who who are you announcing these games to? <laughs> I I've read a lot of gaming news over the last two days. I didn't even see these announcements. So maybe they were just announcing so to me. I yeah, <laughs> they just send you an email. <laughs> Andy, you're the guy. You're the one we want to sell this to. And even uh, you're like, eh. I don't I'll, know. I'll see how care. people like Payday <laughs> Three before I because I put in like six hundred hours into Payday Two. I loved that game. I'm not. I'm not excited for a payday three. If they make one, I don't think they will. I don't think they'll be around long that's, enough. That's a, but not a great yeah. thing. Speaking of games that I put a ton of time into, and I don't give a shit about the latest iteration. <laughs> wow, classic! <laughs> I put it. I put in something like 400 real life days into that game, which, if you do the math, is preposterous. Um, Because that means that I was played 400 waking day hours, which means that that translates into like three straight waking years or something. (laughs) It's upsetting to think about. I'm I'm getting sad talking about it. But anyway, um, so WoW Classics come out. It's sort of, I don't want to say taking the world by storm. A lot of people are talking about WoW Classic, are excited about WoW Classic. I'm admittedly not a nostalgic person at all. So even though I played WoW Classic, and honestly, it like changed my perspective of video games, not WoW Classic, WoW Vanilla when it first came out back in 2004, it really changed me as a gamer. But I had zero interest in going back and re-experiencing that. that. Like we've we've moved forward as an industry, um, MMOs have moved forward. I didn't see any any appeal to going back to it. So what it, it didn't bother me that it was out. It, it's a, it still is weird to me that people get really excited and are dumping in a ton of, ton of time to it. seems like a lot of that's fallen off already, but that's neither here nor there. 
The, the first thing that bothered me about the existence of WoW Classic was when they announced today that they're going to be releasing a content patch for it for Dire Maul, which if you didn't play World of Warcraft is just a high-end dungeon that you can run. It's okay. actually three dungeons okay. put together. Um, it's not technically end game because you're supposed to run it at like 55, level 55, and the cap is level 60. So it's just really high level dungeons. What bothered me was that this content patch came out um, five months after the initial game release. Okay. Um, and it was just because like it, it was a very different landscape with MMOs back then. People took their time leveling up. That seemed like the right time to release the content, yada, yada, yada. But for WoW Classic, the cadence for this patch was actually a month and a half. And that may seem... I mean, obviously, there's a big difference there, but it sort of begs a lot of questions about what their plans are for this game. So for everyone who doesn't know, WoW Classic is just them repackaging the original World of Warcraft. It came out in 2004, and it just came out a few months back, so right before the 15th anniversary of this game. Wait, so I'm trying to understand, this is a patch that they released originally for wow year you know 15 years ago exactly so this is a content patch that they released in 2005 in march 2005 after the game had launched in november of 2004 so this so what we're seeing here is a slow a completely different cadence of content release for this wow classic patch or for the the complete existence of WoW Classic, um, which to me sort of calls into question the whole integrity of the idea of WoW Classic. So everyone's come back to re-experience this nostalgia, but they're sort of injecting uh, content when they see fit to keep people interested in the nostalgia and not actually meeting the same like beats the original game did. So that's what that was going to be my question is like, is this just precipitated by a downturn in active players? Right. And I like, I don't have, I, I I think there's just some questions that need to be asked about this whole situation. Um, And I don't, I don't necessarily look upon this negatively because obviously the cadence was we're actively developing it. We're going to release it as soon as it's available, but now it's just, we're going to wait some amount of time and release it. And then that one WoW Classic 1.0 that you were playing and enjoying and nostalgic about is gone again forever. And then it's replaced by the patch that followed that original WoW patch. So even WoW Classic, which is just a nostalgia factory for a lot of people, is now changing completely. Like it, There's already... a that patch wasn't even the first patch that came out following the game. So presumably that's like a, also a catch up patch for the patches leading up to that. So that means that the game just got patched a whole bunch. So anyone who wanted to play wow, classic 1.0 or 1.1 as it was called originally can no longer do that. Just so I understand correctly. Yep. This is the wow. Classic is it's, is WoW in its original form, not yeah. including... So basically, any bug fixes that came out afterwards, anything that was patched that isn't content patched, but literally just like 
patches to the launcher, patches to mm-hmm. the game. All of that was stripped. Yep, exactly. It was 1.1 or it, it may have been a more specific patch. I'm not 100% sure, but it was prior to 1.3, which was the first content patch. So whatever the first stable build that they chose to release for WoW Classic was what they released for this WoW Classic re-release a couple months ago. Okay. I was I had envisioned it in my mind as like um like they all, had all the way up through Nax or something. Oh no, like they had they had removed content, like like reverted content back, but left everything else. No, no, so, there's no quality of life upgrades. There's bugs that existed in the original game, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Interesting. Weird. And very weird that they, well, I mean, I guess it's not really weird, but very clear that this is, these content patches are a good way to just remind people to go back and keep playing WoW Classic. Yeah. Once the and, player base starts to die off. Right. And so I think you've, you're already splintering the bases a little bit. Like I'm sure people want to re-experience like the patches like some of the more famous things that happened in World of Warcraft were based around patch releases. Um, so uh, there's probably a lot of people that want to experience that growth in the game, but I'm sure there's just as many people who got into WoW Classic because they thought they were playing this like game that was uh, petrified in amber. Um, and that is suddenly no longer the case because this this game that's supposed to be a snapshot of a nostalgic version of this game is already being updated past that point. So I, I just find it like really, it not, I am trying not to just rail it because I don't know how I feel about it, but I think it's just such a curious situation that you can just say like, we're, we're up, we're updating this game that people came back to play. That's a really weird situation to be in because like it's almost like they're not they're not selling a new game or they're not selling a classic version of the game as just allowing you to restart. Like it's like the yeah. difference between like having every episode of I don't know Seinfeld available streaming and a channel that plays every episode of Seinfeld end to end. And when it reaches the finale starts back over again, like technically both are, are 24 hour content of Seinfeld in the order it was released, but one clearly is more accessible. Yeah. So they, they seem to have taken the George Lucas approach, which is to just scorch everything that they've originally created, um, which they did in cataclysm where they just changed the entire the entire environment of the game. They changed almost everything there was so that when you went back into the game, it was no longer like your granddaddy's world of Warcraft. It was a new game almost entirely. So I guess the, like the next question that it begs is like, why are we so resistant to creating like new versions of the game? Like why isn't there a world of Warcraft two? when you can just as easily have WoW Classic be original World of Warcraft and then somebody, when they want to re-experience this, just start a new character and re-experience it. Because now they're selling two different games and two different subscriptions, I assume. I'm not actually sure on how the subscription works. 
but I have to assume it's two different subscriptions because it's Activision. Well, and it's also, it's not even two different games. It's the same game at two yeah. different yeah. points on its timeline. Yep, which is being repackaged as two completely different games running in parallel. Whereas it potentially should have never been that case, except for potential, maybe poor design choices, poor business choices. Personally, as as someone who played the game through... I, I played the game through Mr. Pandaria, which is like the fourth expansion. So like for nine straight years, eight, eight or nine straight years. Um, and I really felt like they just took a hard right turn at Cataclysm and like they never really got back on track. Like I still enjoyed the game and a lot of what they did with the game, but it felt like a new game. And I, almost wish it was a new game because then I could have just gone back to the old game, but like, Oh, this is great. The things I liked about this game are still here. And then the things I like about that, that version of the game are over there in another walled garden. This, this is the, uh, this is the issue with software as a service. This is, this yeah, is the, the whole it, issue it really with it. Is. of just once you get to a, you get to a point of something that you like and you, you want to use or you need to use. And then, the company's well, you know what? We don't want to support that anymore. We need to move in a different direction. And because this is all service based, um, you're just coming along with us. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because it's most games as a service. When we think and talk about games as a service, like I think Rainbow Six Siege is a good example. It's completely additive. Like when they add things to that game, they add things to the game. Although with with a few exceptions, we won't get into that. <laughs> but with World of Warcraft, it's sort of more like transitive. Like what the things that you liked about the game are going to sort of morph and become something different. And they're going to sit over here and the stuff that you liked has been used as fuel and been used and burned to a ash and then scooped into, you know, the trash pail. So it, it's interesting that there's those two different types of services and wow is very clearly the paid to play service. So obviously people pr expect progress and changes and such. But I think I'd also appreciate just a second iteration of the game. Um, Final Fantasy XI is an old school MMO. It didn't, it is still available for PC. There's still a platform that exists for people to play it on. And that game changes very, very little nowadays. There were still X Packs coming out while Final Fantasy XIV was out. But that game still is what it is. Whereas Final Fantasy XIV is sort of growing at a kind of rapid pace, but it sticks to what it knows. So it's interesting to see those are more like snapshots with slow additive growth, I think. But World of Warcraft changed dramatically within like six years of release. And I, I, I looking back now and how like the WoW Classic release is gone, like I don't know if that was a good decision. What you need is you just need dedicated servers. People can buy their own private dedicated servers and set it to whatever the hell revision they want. Yeah, people people do that regardless of legality. Uh, a friend of mine played on the a Burning Crusade server for years. Like he just would go back, make new character, play play the vanilla WoW, which still mostly existed in its original form at that point. Still, then went and played the X Pack, which was just a new zone attached to it at that point. 
Um, same thing happened when the third X-Pack came out. Wrathful Lich King basically just added a new zone, but it was still fundamentally the same game. And then the fourth X-Pack came around, Cataclysm, and then it burns that literally and figuratively burned everything to the ground and changed it all. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's an interesting side of the gaming industry that a lot of people aren't familiar with. Yeah, um, I mean, I. I have no experience I, with WoW whatsoever. So other than just knowing that vanilla WoW or classic WoW was the thing that was out and the general idea of it, I had no idea how, how it's yeah. rollout, how it was going to do content. I kind of just assumed it was like a a remaster kind of thing. Like they took the original experience and then they just, you know, re-released it again. But all the quality of life things are there and all the, the bug fixes are there, but they just they just reverted the content back. But clearly, that's not the case. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting ride for sure. But I, I I won't beat this topic to death. Just just some things to chew on. Okay, well let's uh, let's move on to our uh, fireside chat. Do you want to? You got your question up there. What's your guilty TV show pleasure? Ah, uh, this, this is a question. So this is a tough one because I don't watch anything. Um. <laughs> <laughs> And, that, and that's not to be like some kind of super poncy, like, well, oh, I don't own a TV. Um, we prefer to spend our <laughs> evenings reading and, and discussing apartheid or something like, no, it's, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I spend most of my free time playing games and um, I watch a lot of shit on YouTube. So I've got a lot of guilty pleasures on YouTube, but I don't really watch much on Ooh. TV. I, what I do watch is stuff that Aaron watches she puts on Aaron being my wife um <laughs> that that was what yeah. I was gonna ask and there's a lot of CW, a lot going of CW. On we watched the <laughs> the premiere of the new season of Riverdale yesterday Riverdale oh, Riverdale perfect. is so amazing to watch because it's such garbage the last two seasons <laughs> have basically started with of like 30 seconds of expository like i'm glad that everything that was in the cliffhanger from last season is all set and done anyways like this the the most recent anyways. one was basically like oh that thing that we were dealing with for the past two seasons i'm glad that's over it's basically the stuff of legends now because no one even believes it happened so don't be surprised if we never reference it again <laughs> like that level of bullshit but when, when i actually was watching a lot of tv I watch I watch a lot of children's shows and children's TV and cartoons. Exactly. I, I, I watched a lot of stuff from when I was a kid. Like I watched watched a lot of like uh, Pirates of Dark Water or Pirates of Black Water might have been one of the two, one of the two. I never remember which one it is. It was pretty Sounds rad. Uh, but the most recent one actually would probably be Jane the Virgin. Aaron was watching that and I got sucked in. Oh, thoroughly enjoyed that show and I think it's. I mean, I wasn't ashamed of it. I think I, I pretty openly admitted and, and tried to get us to talk about it you, you're not ashamed of much in your defense that's true <laughs> yeah that's it i don't really have a lot of guilty pleasure shows so yeah how, how does one feel guilty <laughs> if they don't feel shame i, I yeah i don't really oh tell, you know what me, maybe people's court because people's court doesn't stream anywhere that i've been able to find so i only get to see it like when i'm at someone's house who has basic cable or occasionally someone will open and upload an episode to YouTube and I'll just like happen to, you know, my Google alert will pop up and Google I'll alert it. for people's court. No, no, I don't. I don't. I should. Now I'm saying it. I should. Cause it, it, it's only when I remember to go look to see if it's there, but yeah, people's court. I love people's court. It's so stupid and trashy, 
but there's just something so great about watching Judge Marilyn Millian yell at these people for being stupid. Yeah. That just, it's... There's something, yeah, there's something... It's very satisfying. so American about just watching dumb fucking hillbillies get dunked on. By, like, I, I don't know <laughs> what it is. And what about you? What's your what's your guilty pleasure show? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I also, I, I used to watch a lot more TV, and I've watched a lot less recently, and I'm not one who has a good memory. Um, uh, I guess, I guess I've been watching a shameful amount of anime. Uh, I, I sort of, I used to watch a lot of anime back in like early high school and then something, something changed in me and I was like, anime. <laughs> Maybe it's cause I literally got made fun of for watching anime by every single human that came in contact with me. Um, but recently i've i've gone back and like sort of watched some stuff and kill kill a kill for people who know what that is i have been watching that recently and it's really really good but something about me feels really weird watching it because it's so like expositional um clothing wise uh (laughs) she's okay basically every time (laughs) she transforms her like their tits and ass are hanging out like not full nudity wise but it's it's pretty explicit but it's such a stylish show and like it's a lot of fun to watch so it's it's a real conflict like i feel kind of gross and predatory watching a high schooler get just about naked and then battle other high schoolers that are just about naked and just like wild bosses like there's a lot of like bdsm references and stuff like that so it's it's weird. Okay. I have a, I have a lot of conflicts watching it, but it's so entertaining, and it's a really well regarded show. But no one ever talks about like why it's. Like, everyone's just like, yeah, it's just anime. I was like, well, I've watched anime before. This is pretty fucking extra. <laughs> like, why aren't we talking more about how fucking extra this is? Like, it's not like Little Witch Academia where it's like there's some minor suggestive things, but mostly it's just like. Like kawaii young girls running around, like getting into antics. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that's my guilty pleasure right now, at least. Okay. Well, I've got a question uh, for you from our lovely producer Dominic here. Um, I it says or it says for me to ask what you think of magicians. Magicians. And I'm assuming that the she's referring to the you know current show on Sci-Fi. Oh, the magicians. Well, then I'm fucked because I don't. I, <laughs> I was interested in the books because all of the quotes on the books were like, "If you miss Harry Potter a lot and like books about schools and stuff, like you might actually like <laughs> if, this." If you miss him a lot, <laughs> if you miss him personally, um, as that to that degree, I was kind of interested in the books, but. When the mm-hmm. show came out and I saw the trailers for it, I was like, ah, oh, this looks dumb as shit. Um, but in general... What about actual magicians? Actual magicians? Um, I don't know. I guess I'm positive on magicians in general. Like, that's that's a pretty impressive ability to be able to trick people and, like, I don't know, come up with new tricks and trick other magicians. Like, I know... Penn and Teller have a show where they like magicians try and trick them and stuff. I've never watched it once because I don't really care that much about magic. 
But every time I'm forced to watch like a magic show or watch magic on TV, I'm like, that's fucking impressive. These motherfuckers, like, that's a skill that no sane human would ever waste any time on. But these people, they've wasted a lot of time on it. And they're quite good. That's one of the things that always amazed me um, is I, I, for a long time, was a big fan of Penn and Teller. Mm-hmm. Um, not not necessarily on the you know the politics of Penn Jillette, but just as like I saw them live a couple of times and I had a bunch of their, their books on how to do magic tricks and stuff like that. I thought they were really cool. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they explained at some point was that like half the time the trick is just you assuming that no one could ever get that good at something that no one could ever be that good at moving this thing or hiding this thing or juggling this thing in that way. And you assuming that no one would ever spend 400 hours practicing it. (laughs) And so it must be something else. And it's no, no, he's just that good at moving cards around. He's just practiced it for 700 hours. (laughs) Yeah. That's the whole thing. Like it, it really is impressive in its own way. Like just because somebody's spent that much time, like could they have been doing like spent that much time, like hitting baseballs at like a batting cage and made a multi-million dollar contract. Like, yeah, sure. But they really wanted to fiddle with cards. Like I respect that. I, I think for me, like the difference in that between like the baseball or stuff like that, or even like with instruments is like a, a song that someone who's been playing guitar for a year can play can still sound like a really good song mm. and be just because like it's not it's not necessarily the technical side of it that makes it a good song and so like i feel like i don't notice as much when someone's someone who's been playing guitar for 20 years is playing a song whereas you see someone you know doing like close-up card magic and they're doing something really cool and it's like wow they're so good at this they're literally make showing me things that aren't physically possible <laughs> like it's so good my brain can't properly understand what's going on and is filling in the gaps incorrectly yeah like it, it just that level of of dedication takes on such an interesting presentation as opposed to like the difference between someone who's been making pies for 15 years and someone who's been making pies for 50 years like i just i don't know yeah. that i know the difference between those pies <laughs> no that yeah that's a very fair point like magic is like i guess a, a pedestrian art in that everyone can appreciate it um at least to the degree that you're describing <laughs> like i i may have seen a few other magic tricks but i that doesn't stop it being impressive if he can break my brain right did you ever try to learn magic as a kid i knew a few card tricks but beyond that i that it sounds like you you got more into it though. Did you pick uh, up some tricks? Not really. I I really liked watching it. Like they had all those you know world's greatest magic specials on ABC that always were hosted by yeah. Matt King and had David Copperfield doing some huge mm-hmm. make some national monument disappear trick at the end. But <laughs> I never learned any of it. I always wanted to, but I never actually did. <laughs> knew a couple kids who did and yeah, they, like, I, th- I thought it was super rad they were i think knew one kid who did like actual uh did a couple of kids birthday parties and things like that in like middle school oh, really? was actually going around and doing that a middle schooler doing yeah that? yeah he was good oh man yeah good for him yeah that's that's 
entrepreneurial on top of everything. Yeah. That dude had more drive than both of us. He was like, he was like a male girl boss. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that's, that's a weird statement. I'm going to let you get torched for that one. I'm not, I'm not coming in on that. I don't know if we have a term for that yet, but we should, we should come up with one. (laughs) Not touching it. Not touching it. You're going down on your own there, Andy. (laughs) Goodbye. Let's get down on you. Let's, let's move on to our games. Oh, showcase. Let's start with John Wick Hex. John Wick Hex is a movie universe tie-in game. It's not a direct movie tie-in like the old Harry Potter or Spider-Man games on PlayStation. Based on what? Based. I'm not there yet. Based on the John Wick series franchise of films. I think. I think they've done three so far. I think the third one's is upcoming. John Wick. Uh, John Wick 3, Parabellum. Did that happen already? It's coming out on Blu-ray okay. soon. Yeah, it, it's definitely past And the then age. there's also, um, I think, a, a, a spin-off TV show that was optioned and possibly actually picked up about the hotel that that that, the, uh, that provides a central role in some of the films. The Continental, uh, yeah. I think it was called. It may still be called. Yeah, the Continental. Uh, so anyways, John uh, Wick somehow. is uh, a series of films starring Keanu Reeves as a ex-hitman turned again hitman who takes revenge on people and kills them in a very uh enjoyable visceral fluid kind of gun ballet style you know a lot of a lot of the movie focuses on these really well choreographed fight scenes where he's moving from one enemy to another disarming one and then shooting another one and throwing a guy in the floor and then in a very in a way that looks extremely cool and also very real that makes sense yeah watch john wick those are cool movies uh john wick hex is the movie is the tie-in game for that universe made by mike bithel is that is that how he pronounces i think it's bethel right bethel i've heard him in interviews but i i'm now blanking on it mike bithel of thomas was alone and he put together this top-down semi kind of turn-based ish strategy game of moving john wick through these environments and fighting people and it's bad (laughs) the way you were describing it it's it sounded like genre defining like breaking new ground so the general the general concept is you are John Wick going through a bunch of different missions and each mission plays out where you start at one end and you go into the other, or you're going to kill someone. You know, you're trying to make your way through, um, cause they're broken up into chapters where each chapter would kind of be mm-hmm. like the entire mission in a, in a larger game. So the first part, so Hitman go kind of, yeah, actually Hitman goes a good, exa- a good, uh, example of that. Each piece of the chapter moving you closer to the final target. Um, yeah, that's actually, thank you for bringing that up because I was trying to think of something to compare it to. Hitman Go, great comparison in its level structure. Gotcha. And at the beginning, you have you have a couple of uh, gold coins, gold Krugerrands or doubloon or bullion or whatever it was that you can spend on different upgrades for that set of missions or to stash weapons and bandages at certain points. Because once you start, you can't really go back or restock or anything like that. You're just, you're going through this entire chapter. And you have to, you know, at the end of each mission, 
at the end of each part of the chapter, whatever guns and stuff you have left over is what you carry into the next one. Whatever your health is, you carry in. So it's, it's a little bit of pre-planning. But each chapter basically plays out. You're on a hex grid. You're John Wick. And you move around, find people, and either fight them with your fists or shoot them. You have a timeline across the top of the screen where each of where it kind of shows you what your next movement is going to how long it's going to take. So you move you know move your cursor three spaces away and it shows it's going to take you one point five seconds to walk there. Or yeah, you want to put on some bandages. It's going to be four seconds to put on bandages. The second another person comes into your field of view, you're now seeing their timeline as well. And it kind of shows you what their next thing they're going to do is on their timeline. And your timeline is right above it. So you see, okay, they're they're going to shoot me in five seconds. And I'm going to go through all of my options here and see how that plays against the five seconds till they're going to shoot me. And so a lot of it is time management of there are three guys in front of me. What's the next thing that's going to happen between all three? Okay, this guy is going to take a shot. All right, so I need to do something to get out of the way of his shot, but also be aware that this guy here is going to take a swing at me. So I need to make sure that I'm accommodating. You know, it, it's a lot of micromanaging your time and, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A trade-offs. What do, what do I, what can I do here? That's going to mm. give, yeah. Comrades, what's going to, what's going to mitigate the most amount of damage or put me in a, in a not bad situation. Because like when you take a guy down, you take you take him down, but you also decide where you want to land and what space you want to be on when the takedown is over. So you can kind mm. of maneuver your way around through groups of people by taking a guy down, and then this puts you in position to take another guy down or to get behind cover or to break a line of sight. And you go through that killing people and making your way to the final boss where you fight them in whatever way and each group of people fight slightly differently some of them are brawlers some of them have different types of guns some of them move differently but it's very that that's the general gist of the gameplay going through chapter by chapter completing these assassinations hmm. so all that is really cool and an interesting idea <laughs> the... <laughs> i was gonna say like the way you're it, describing it, does, it sounds doesn't awesome it? and even as i'm talking to you now i'm thinking about yeah. it and thinking like oh that could be fun maybe i'll play it a little more yeah i can't wait to get back i can't to wait it. to play that but game I can because <laughs> so the the biggest problem there's two i guess the two big problems as a john wick game it fails because everything is so so rigid it has none of that gun ballet feel yeah like so did you ever play any of the new xcom games uh, the first one. I did not play XCOM 2. Okay. When you're playing XCOM, it feels like you're in the middle of this intense firefight. Yes, for sure. Because shit's ha constantly happening. Now imagine that you took a replay of your match of XCOM and played it back in real time. Uh, uh, it wouldn't feel like a firefight at all because everything is happening in such a rigid yeah. formula. Guy stands up and moves, turns, shoot. Then other guys, like, it would feel like you're watching Clockwork Soldiers. <laughs> Yeah, And that's the problem with John Wayne. Everything that you do is takedown animation, turn, punch, turn, parry, turn, take a shot. So like, unlike, uh, what, uh, what's it? Super hot. 
which even in its yeah. replay still felt really cool and fluid because everything's happening at the same time. Yep. This does not have that at all. And so as a John Wick game, as a game that's trying to capture the feeling of being John Wick, it it doesn't because you can't combo your moves. When you take a guy down, you just take him down and he drops his gun. If yep. you want his gun, you then have to take another move to pick up that gun, then turn, then shoot. There's no way to like disarm a guy and shoot him with his own gun, then turn and shoot another guy. Yeah. Like those kind of... Um, fluid motions everything is so prescribed and you know the only way to move quickly is to duck down and then roll and ducking down takes a couple of seconds and then rolling costs to move you know to roll so it's you're not diving out of the way you're not quickly getting in or out of cover it just doesn't feel like john wick yeah and i don't i don't know that a game other than like super hot could really capture that feeling because you kind of need to be reacting at a, at a superhuman ra- uh, speed. Mm-hmm. But it, it, and it's made so much worse by the fact that at the end of each level, you can watch a replay of what happened. That kind of does some cinematic camera angles based on where you are. And it makes it feel even more stodgy. Oh. And it doesn't, they don't have the right animate. The animations aren't smooth and fluid and varied enough. So there's kind of like two takedown animations that they just replay over and over again. And the punching is just punch, rotate in place, punch the guy next to you, rotate in place. (laughs) It's such a cool idea. And all of those things wouldn't even, I think be as bad if it weren't a John wick branded game. Like if this was like Steve shooty pants, fight experience by Mike Bithel. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Steve shooty pants. I can get into that. And I wouldn't be thinking of how stodgy it is because John wick is so much about this fluid, beautiful ballet of gun violence. <laughs> I mean, that's completely fair. Like, <laughs> so I, I think you, you, you bought a John wick game. You took John wick. <laughs> I think as a, as a John wick uh, or as a John wick game, it fails. And as a just general strategy game, it, it's almost in that weird spot of it should either be ten or like twenty five percent simpler or fifty percent more complex. Complex, mm-hmm. like Hitman Go is the great is a great amount of simplicity. There's not really a lot of different options in how to approach a situation, but they do a lot with it from level design. Whereas. Yeah. John Wick Hex has a lot of things that like disarming where you like, I can throw a gun at someone to, to stun them for a second. I can parry them to stun them for a second, but I can't disarm someone to get a gun from them. And that, you know, it feels like such a missed thing. Like this is something that would make sense to do. There's no way to to take the bullets off from a gun off the ground and take them with me. So I'm just always, I'm just picking up uh, half-loaded weapons constantly. Yeah, I mean, that, that's half the, the movies. Like he, he goes into fights well-armed and then somehow whizzes through all the bullets and then he's just got to figure it out. Yeah, but he's also, like, doing it quickly and elegantly. Yeah, exactly. So those, All those fight scenes are non-stop. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
and there's a lot of that and a lot of opportunities where I'm just kind of standing and like keep hitting the wait button to wait for someone to go around a corner so I can shoot them mm-hmm. because they're just, you know, that's the, the opportunity that you're waiting for, but it's, it's not, it's not a stealth game. So standing yeah. around waiting for the guy to turn the corner so I can shoot him feels weird. I don't know. It, it just, it hit none of the right notes for me. And, um, did you ever see a, any uh, playthroughs of um, Narbacular Drop? Uh, no, it doesn't sound. This familiar. was the game that I, th- I think it was a couple of college kids put together. That was that Valve saw and brought them on to create Portal. Like it was, I think it was it was more oh. fantasy themed, but it was still about creating portals and using them to solve puzzles. In a very <laughs> rudimentary way, it might have been on like an old, you know, the yeah. Unreal Tournament 2004 engine or something like that. But like mm-hmm. this came out, and then and it was you kind of got some attention, and people thought it was really cool. And then Valve brought them on, like, "Hey, make a game with this concept." But good. And this this okay. feels like it should be that for a really good strategy game and a really good top down fighting, yeah. you know, fighting and shooting game. I really want someone to take the core concepts here or even just give Mike Biffle a larger team and more money and more time to take this and make it. I'm sure, I'm sure he could manage that himself. He just doesn't seem to I, want like, to. I, There's no way after Thomas was alone. He I listened to a lot of interviews with him and he seems like a really cool guy. He seemed like he was really excited to work on this project and proud of what he did. So I, it, it doesn't feel like it's laziness. It doesn't feel like it's complacency or, yeah. or shoddy craftsmanship. No, it sounds like a lot of half-cocked ideas that maybe you just didn't have the time to execute because it would have taken three more years based on the budget and manpower yeah. that he had. Yeah, so that is my uh, those are my impressions of John Wick Hex. All right, okay. got some questions for you. Surprise. <laughs> Hey, what, what, what does this have to do with Jonah Hex starring Joshy Brolin? You know, it's fun that you bring that up because it has a lot to do with Jonah Hex starring Josh Brolin and Megan Fox. I want to say, was she the, was sure. she the female in that? Sure. You know, a lot. She was the female in a lot of movies. Yeah, back that then. was a crazy couple of years. Remember when she was in the new girl? I, I do. I, I know you show. did. Don't get me started. Maybe that's my guilty pressure. I know you did. We, right. we could just turn this into a new girl's cast. You know, do one of those things where. Can we? <laughs> Can we please? Do, do like those guys did for the Gilmore Girls, where they just do every episode, every episode of the show, they talk about another episode of uh, the new girl. Yes. My dream's coming true. <laughs> that's all um, you've ever wanted, isn't it? That was very. Uh, it really is. <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't, which, yeah, what, what, why Hex? What, where does that name come from? Where does that subtitle? It's because it's on a hex grid and you're moving. You're moving on a hexagonal grid. Oh. And they, okay, they have cool. a character in there and I haven't seen the third or actually, or second John Wick movies come to think of it. Um, so I don't know if Hex is a real character or if they just yes. made him up for the game, but there is a character in here known as Hex, who is kind of the main antagonist that you're punching and shooting your way to yeah well so I, i've seen the second movie and the first one obviously um and i don't remember any of the characters names other than other than james wick himself mr 
Mr. Mr. Jimmy Wick. Um, so I, I, Mr. Jimmy Wick. Uh, so I can't can neither confirm or confirm, but yeah, it's probably a new character. So what what about a stylish, immersive, fast-paced action movie that prides itself on its world building demanded a turn-based tactics game, do you think? If I had to take a a guess as to how this would this happened, um that someone working with John Wick property, whoever owns that IP and whatever company is is producing that and, and uh, distributing that film said this seems like the kind of game that should or the kind of movie that should have a video game and someone involved in the in the production said yeah but you needed to really capture the feeling of John Wick how would you do that and there was some back and forth and maybe Mike Bithell knew someone who was involved and threw out an idea of like, what if it was more like a board game, or like a, um, I don't know, like a tactical game. And that guy did not get cartoonishly shot in the face. Uh, uh, no anvils fell on him or anything like that. But that would be my guess: is that it, someone, someone was throwing out like, "Hey, we're f- finding it difficult to think of a way to to adapt the feeling of John Wick into a into a video game," and we're looking for out of the box ideas on, on how that would be done. And we're maybe looking to not spend a lot of money. Mm. So we're going to go with it with some more well-known indie developers. I, I don't really know how it got mm. there. I know I listened to an interview where Mike Bithel explained it and I don't remember any of it. <laughs> I think we've already beat this one to death. Um, does it execute on any of what makes the movie special? No, it does not. <laughs> how much Keanu Reeves goodwill does this game bank on? Not a lot because the characters have a passing resemblance to the characters in the movie. I mean, it's very stylized, so it doesn't really look like Keanu Reeves, but it also wouldn't because of how stylized it is. I don't think about the fact that it's Keanu Reeves while I'm playing it. That might be a good thing, honestly. How many bad Russian accents did you count while playing? Uh, I actually didn't notice any, come to think of it. Was it heavily voice acted? There are some cutscene kind of things in, in between levels with, um, what's his name? Lance Reddick and Ian McShane as their characters from the film. And uh, what's his name? The guy that does all the, the video game voices. Um, Troy Baker. Troy Baker as Hex. Oh, yeah, of course. I don't know that there was much other other than like kind of incidental diegetic dialogue that actually shows up in the game. Okay. That was all the questions I had. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a bit about um, your game, the name of which I haven't forgotten because it's... The Surge 2 is the sequel to the uh, hit game The Surge 1. Um, I'm exaggerating with the phrase hit. Um, but it's a Dark Souls-esque um, action RPG. It has a, a high difficulty curve. So in this universe, it's sort of a not-too-distant future. You get, in both games, you get a rig 
this rig is sort of like an exoskeleton for your body and it's the basis for all of the rpg mechanics in the game you upgrade your arms your legs whatever you do this by hacking off different parts of your opponent's bodies um and using those parts to upgrade that specific piece so you chop off an arm you upgrade your arm chop off a leg you upgrade your leg piece um, et cetera, et cetera. The mechanics handle actually shockingly well. Um, as someone who played the original Surge uh, just over a year ago, um, I, I must say I was surprised at how fluid the game field I felt. I also played uh, Lords of the Fallen. Um, that game was very much supposed to be like a Dark Souls knockoff. So I'm, I'm still very happy that they sort of changed gears and found their own niche in the, this sort of uh, subgenre. Um, and it's it's much more... Because yeah, they've basically been trying to nail the uh, the Dark Souls formula for a while now. Yeah, this would have been their their third game, third attempt to like really break into it. And unfortunately this game doesn't do much to add on to uh, what they've already built in the previous two games. I think the surge one was more of a departure to Lords of the fallen than uh, the surge two is to surge one. It really feels like it was just a really, really large expansion pack. So I'm going to have some trouble. Mm. I'm going to have some trouble differentiating surge two as a, as its own thing from the surge one, because I played the surge one and to quote Andy, if you play the Surge 1, you'll probably like the Surge 2 because it's basically the same fucking game. That was definitely a paraphrase, <laughs> but if, if you like the Surge 1, you'll probably Not, like the Surge 2. I think that two. actually may have, been, that may have been pretty similar. Yeah, pretty, pretty similar. That may have been spot on, yeah. depending on the game. <laughs> yeah, so that's really my main problem with it is going through it. I feel like I'm playing the Surge 1 again, but with a couple of the bells and whistles more like nothing has been overhauled since the surge one. They didn't look at like their, their middling reviews. I shouldn't say middling. They were definitely positive reviews for the original surge, not overwhelmingly positive to use steam uh, nomenclature, but it was like people liked the surge. I liked the surge. Um, The surge two, I think was a lot less impactful because everything that made the surge one special is still there, but that that's, that's like, that's as far as they went. It's like, we know you guys like the surge one. Here's more of the surge one. What really gets me is that they released a full expand or not a full, they released more content for the surge one, not long before the surge two came out. So I, I just don't understand why they didn't just keep making content for the original Surge, which was a successful game and apparently successful enough to keep making DLC. I, I don't know why they... Oh, I mean, come on, Brent. You know why. It, it's you it's know money. Why. It's money. I, I, I just want people to take their time and make a... Like, just sit and think and just deconstruct what makes... A game so good. Hey, like we have this limb chopping mechanic in this game. People really seem to like it. This isn't something that's in Dark Souls games. It's like, it's not a, I forget what article I read. It's not a gimmick. It's a hook. 
That was the way they phrased it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So like the hook for this game was, I'll, I'll give you credit, whoever that is, once I figure it out. But the hook was entirely that you can target individual, like you, you're still in the same combat, but you focus on a different part of the limbs. And like, I, I thought going into it, it would be gimmicky, but it's not at all. It's like a really good hook for the game and it keeps you really interested in the combat and when you're going back to old environments and you have to farm out like old content, you're doing it in a specific way. You're not just mindlessly like fucking blasting everything to bits because you're a God. Now you still have to go in with some sort of, um, uh, I don't know, some sort of, uh, specific idea of what you need to do in that zone. So it, it keeps even old content a bit fresh, but, I don't know. I, I don't have many positive things about to say about the Surge 2 other than it's more Surge 1, and I like the Surge 1. So, for the <laughs> most part... So, e- even my notes on the game were mostly negative, which really breaks my heart, because I still had a lot of fun with the Surge 2. But from out of everything I've described about the Surge 1, that is exactly the same case in this game. Yeah, I, 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 I guess upgrading was a bit easier. It was really all quality of life um, experiences that were a bit better, which I, mean, I appreciate, but... Yeah. I, I, I what, are, what are your questions on the game, Andy? So, obviously this game borrows very heavily from another game that you and I both know very well, and that's 1993's Cyborg Justice on the Sega Mega Drive <laughs> by Novo Trade. Um, yep. I, I, you're familiar with this game, right? Yeah, yeah. This game's straight up rip-off. I mean, 100%. Yeah. So in 1993 <laughs> Cyborg Justice on the Sega Mega Drive by developer Novo Trade, you are a robot man who fights other robot men. I'm just stating this for the two people out there who may not have played this game. It, it is... It almost feels ridiculous that I have to explain it at all because it is a ubiquitous game. Like yeah, Tetris no, that's fair. Or, or Pongs. Um, but you, <laughs> it's a side-scrolling brawler beat-em-up where you're a robot and you can r- rip off other robots' arms and legs and attach them to yourself. Uh, and so you can rip off their like chainsaw arm and attach it to yourself and now you have a chainsaw arm instead. Cool stuff. Um, how does the upgrading actually work with dismemberment in this game is it is it literally ripping off people's arms and attaching to yourself do you have to take them back to a workbench like how does that work oh it's it's much more boring than that so much more boring (laughs) um so the the closest it comes is when you when you rip off arms that are that are holding a weapon which is i think almost always a right arm because everyone's uh, got a dominant right heart, right arm in the perfect utopia. As a left-hander, um, I, I feel that. I don't like that. I feel yeah. I, I mean, I didn't say it. Uh, Deck thirteen did. Okay, but anyway, well. <laughs> noted. Um, so the the closest you get is when you tear off our arms that contain weapons, and then you can immediately use the weapon. Um, the bad news is most of the time they are not upgraded to a tier where they're actually useful. So you still have to go and upgrade them before they're useful. But for the most part, when you're tearing off arms and legs and chest pieces and heads, you're getting a schematic to make those pieces. And then you have to go back to make those pieces 
after you've gotten some schematic. So it's not like high octane, like, yeah, hot swap in. I got a new chess piece. Let's go. It's a oh, cool new chess piece. Let me run all the way back to um, what uh, Dark Souls people would refer to as the bonfire. Um, it's the med bay uh, where you go, your home base, whatever the nearest med bay is to you. And then you craft it. Um, and then, yeah. And then you'd upgrade. So and then after that, you would cut off those limbs and instead of getting schematics, you would get upgrade pieces that would allow you to upgrade it to the next tier, depending on the level of the enemy. So if your enemy is level four, they'll drop level four upgrade pieces. And once you get up to level four, like you're more confident taking on the level five guys. And so you'll run and take level five guys and farm them out for a bit and then come back and upgrade and da 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 da. Um, it is, it's more fun than the original game in some ways because you can, uh, you don't have to go back to old zones to do farming. So if you get like a new schematic and then you don't have the pieces for like level one upgrades and stuff, you don't have to run back to the level one zone to get them. You can break newer pieces down and they like have an exponential growth. Okay. Um, that makes so sense. You can break down a level four piece into two level three pieces, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it doesn't really bog down the action of the game as much as it did in the first time. And that's definitely a quality of life improvement. But it's, it's very much not high octane. Like, yeah, like cut cut a fucking chainsaw arm off mid midair. And then suddenly it's on your arm and then your chainsaw and bitches. Like it is not that at all. So they should have taken a page out of uh, another page out of Cyborg Justice's book and just ripped that off entirely. I got you. Okay, cool. Next question. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 1993 Cyborg Justice takes place on a uh, mining colony, which admittedly is one of its weaker, <laughs> weaker settings, weaker parts, because the setting is kind of bland. Mm-hmm. What are the settings like in uh, Cyborg Justice 2 colon The Surge 2? <laughs> so so you don't have many different biomes there's there's um future cities future city downtown future city harbor future city park um <laughs> and future city command i'm noticing Center. a theme <laughs> yeah that it's like the the park is really the only one that stands out and it's only modestly because if you turn a corner, you'll end up in like a, a like science research center with like robots or something. But then you go back outside and you're like, oh, thank God, there's fucking trees. Like I was so sick of sewers and fucking tall derelict buildings and robots and shit. Um, so just just like biome variety, not not nothing to get excited about. More more than the original game, thank fucking Christ, but only just okay. That's a bit that's a bit disappointing. One of the things yeah. I had heard about with this game was this idea of directional parrying. What's that about? Well, so really early on in the game, you get a mod that tells you that there's directional parrying in the game. You wouldn't have known about it if there wasn't a mod in the game that told you that you can directionally parry, and that mod also shows you exactly what direction to parry and gives you enough time to do it uh, by giving you a notification on your screen like a full second and a half beforehand, thereby mitigating a lot of the challenge. In the game. So you're not actually having to like um, weave their movements or anything like that? Oh, no, not at all. As long as you keep this one very, very cheap mod on you at all time, the game tells you what direction to point your thumbstick 
and you can always do it if you have enough stamina because it's uh, mostly ARPGs nowadays are stamina. Well, not nowadays, most most Dark Souls esque ARPGs are stamina based action RPGs. Um, so you can only block so many times before you run out of stamina. You can only attack so many times before you run out of stamina. Um, so the only real detriment is that you could ever run out of stamina, but you can, there's no way you could ever fuck up the directional blocks in this game, unless you literally didn't understand how directions worked or someone turned all of your fucking controls inverted as a joke. And you could (laughs) never possibly fucking readjust to that stupid fucking prank that they pulled on you. It's really just a footnote on the game. I'm almost surprised that you even knew about it. Like it was a cute mechanic. If, they didn't hand you the golden key to completely mitigating the mechanic within like 30 minutes of starting the game. Hmm. Okay. And is it, is it like, do you feel it's necessary? Like, could you get through without it? No, I, I I don't even have the achievement for directionally blocking 30 attacks yet. I dodge almost everything. Okay, cool. It's more useful to me because it tells me when an attack's coming and then I can save a ton of stamina by just juking it and then counterattacking afterwards. Like that's mostly my game play style. Okay. Now, 1993 Cyborg Justice on the Sega Mega Drive's final boss is famously a large brain in a jar. How are the bosses in Surge 2? What are they like? Jesus, talking talk about derivative. Did this come out before or after Metroid? <laughs> 93 this came out Mm. after metroid oh interesting (laughs) okay so i'm sorry i'm sorry so i'm talking about metroid 2 colon cyber justice (laughs) or i should say the surge 2 colon cyber just cyber justice 3 colon metroid 2 i can't figure out that joke in my head you guys (laughs) sort out that joke in your heads you know where i was going with it it's funny (laughs) it's funny take how are the bosses how are the bosses? They're <laughs> fine. They're fine. You, the games. The game is just janky enough where the targeting's a bitch, but all the bosses require like you targeting specific parts of the body. But all the bosses are gigantic, and all the regular enemies that are well tested and QA'd are very small. Um, so every time I had trouble on a boss, it was because I didn't realize that I could target certain limbs or port parts of their body. And then when I figured out that the game was just being super janky, every boss fight was really easy. So you didn't feel like you needed to really switch up your style and try new tactics and stuff like that as you went from one boss to another? I changed my mods for one boss, and then I realized that I was just doing it wrong because I was targeting the wrong limbs, and then I destroyed that boss. (laughs) Okay, well... But there, yeah, disappointing difficulty. Okay. Hmm, that's disappointing. I heard it was kind of a buggy game, unlike Cyborg Justice from 1993 on the Sega Mega Drive. <laughs> it's it's real buggy. Um, I played on the Xbox One X uh, on top of just the janky control schemes, which I thought worked really well in the first game of the targeting of the different limbs. I found to be a little bit trickier in this one. And on top of that, there's just general performance issues all the time like the game seems to have serious memory leak issues i eventually 
I have like every, every once in a while I'll have to restart the game because the frame rate will just tank and nothing I do will fix it other than restarting the entire game. Oh yeah. It's, it's almost strange. The games like that get through fucking certification these days, but neither here nor there. So yeah, performance general jank. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've fallen through the world once, which isn't too bad. No, that, that's um, standard. I wouldn't games say it's, you gotta fall through the world at least once. Yeah. Honestly, I, I covered control on our last episode, and I would say in terms of bugs, control probably had more bugs. Oh, interesting, because I, I had heard people talking about the bugs in Surge 2 far more than I did control. Um, that, That's interesting. I did not experience that personally. Obviously, people people on PC usually have a very different experience true. with a lot very, of these very games. True. Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, I, I'm specifically on the One X. My experience was reasonable, um, bug-wise. So would you recommend it? <laughs> I would recommend it to people who like the Surge 1. I would recommend it to people who really, really, really badly want another Dark Souls or a Bloodborne game, but also know that this is nowhere near as good as a Dark Souls or a Bloodborne game. Um, if they just need a fix, um, I had picked this game because I couldn't decide whether I wanted to play to scratch that itch with Surge 2 or Codebane, and it ended up being the Surge 2. Um, almost as a coin flip situation, I probably will still play Codebane by the end of the year because I have a problem <laughs> and I need to play these games. And I'm just a, just, a, just a slave to fucking stamina-based ARPGs. Um, but outside of that, no, probably not. Like this is really for, this is like a niche within a niche, like people, people that really want to scratch that itch and are willing to play games that are, uh, pointedly inferior to the games that, um, defined those genres. <laughs> Fucking zot. I, I mean, it's true. <laughs> Dark Souls is a better game. I, it's a better game. I knew that after I played the Surge 1, and I really liked the Surge 1. I really liked the Surge 2. Dark Souls is still a far, far better game than the Surge 2. Well, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that, that just leaves us to figure out where it falls on our standing here. Yeah, let's do it. I am going to put John Wick Hex at number 17 on our list. That's pretty far. We only got 22 games on the list. Yeah, I, well... Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to put it at 16. I'm going to move Void Bastards down one. Oh. Because I was thinking like, oh, you know, this... this so you think it's stuff. worse than Anthem? Uh, God, well... <laughs> I saw that active control Z <laughs> in real time. <laughs> well... Uh, you know, you're right, you're right. Okay, so I'm going to put John Wick Hex at 15. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's going to get knocked down another spot anyways in a second, I'm sure. Well, but you know, did you like Remnant? I don't remember. You know, <laughs> well, okay, so here's here's the thing. At the time, I think I gave it fairly middling review. Mm -hmm. Since then, my opinion of it has changed considerably. Okay. And I, and I, I don't want, I don't want to get in, into a huge thing because I'm sure this summit okay. will address later on in the year. But my opinion of it has changed considerably since then. But at the time, I think I gave it like a maybe a C plus or a B minus. All right, all right. I 
I think I'm somewhere between 11 and 16. This is, this is an interesting, this is like the, the roughest zone yeah. of just complete indifference. And then Anthem is like, like bordering on negative. Because like uh, you've got Bloodstained at 13 and that is the most forgettable experience for me this year. I looked at it and I yeah. thought, wait, I thought for a second, what game was that again? Oh, right. That <laughs> Castlevania one. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You didn't even really like Borderlands 3. I might have to put it above Borderlands 3 just because I actually enjoyed the Surge 2, but for stupid, selfish reasons. Do it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. So that puts... One of the things I love about looking at our list is how much money is at the bottom of that list. Just Wolfenstein, Youngblood, Rage 2, Apex Legends, and The Division 2. <laughs> Can't wait for us to do uh, fucking Breakpoint, too. <laughs> that seems like a fan wanna. favorite right now. I don't want to. <laughs> you have to, Andy. God damn it. I'm not going to. <laughs> looks... So, um, oh, God. All right, and then where would we put 1993 Cyborg Justice on this list? Just... Uh, also ran. Okay. Number one. Okay. God, it's, nothing's beaten out in Earth Defense Force 5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. all right. So this, this list is too long. All right, I'm going to rapid fire this because I promised I'd do it last week because I listened to the episode and I, whatever reason, I promised I'd read them off. Number one, and you're going to have to count on your own. Number one, Starting at number one, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Kingdom Hearts 3, Control, Devil May Cry 5, Superland, Sekiro, Link's Awakening, Ion Fury, Yoshi's Crafted World, Final Fantasy XIV, Shadowbringers, Gears 5, Surge 2, Borderlands 3, Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night, Remnant from the Ashes, John Wick, Hex, Anthem, Void Bastards, Far Cry, New Dawn, Crackdown 3, Wolfenstein, Youngblood, Rage 2, Apex Legends, Division 2 at number 24. We got 24 games on this list, and... Boy, there's some stinkers. <laughs> but there's also a lot of really good yeah, games. Yeah, this has been a good year for games, but this has also been a garbage year for games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been strange. Like, like games that you would really expect to do, like, improve upon their old their predecessors, like Wolfenstein and Division, both right next to the bottom. Rage 2! Rage 2, <laughs> why wasn't that a good game? I'm so mad still. That's what I'm saying. So mad. You're... I spent a lot of money to not have fun with these games. I paid full price for <laughs> a number of games at the bottom of that list that I did not have fun with. And I'll tell you, like, I knew 20 minutes into John Wick Hex, ah, this is a bad game. I don't like it. <laughs> Why up. doesn't Epic have a refund yeah. policy? <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we, we still haven't had any um, review copies. So all of these games we have paid for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So there's there's no money that at stake in any of nope. this. <laughs> this is just our, our honest to God opinion. If you want to send us a review copy, please. If you, I don't even care what game it is. If if you are the owner and proprietor of Crush Weed Match 3 Candy Jewel Cool Puzzle Games, <laughs> and you want to send me like... <laughs> A review copy with with a bunch of in-app purchases disabled i will make my game next week in the showcase crutchweed match three candy jewel cool puzzle games yeah man we, we got we got room in the schedule like doom got pushed out yeah. to next year bring it send your review copies of your shitty game i mean great games i will great games. happily talk about them at length 
<laughs> Thanks to our producer, Dominic. She somehow makes this podcast sound like we're actually trying mm-hmm. every week. She does a really good job. God bless her. And yeah, that's been episode 15. Anything you'd like oh, to add, um, Andrew? Nah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>